Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, uh, this is uh, Deacon John and Joe, uh, a groggy um, a Tuesday morning, Monday morning here, um, down in uh, the basement, the bowels of uh, our house here. And uh, we're recording coming off a of spring break and uh let me tell you what joe i have uh, a secret hatred of 6 a.m holy hours and Ooh. i only have three left after nine straight years of waking up at an ungodly hour in the morning oh man and that this must morning, be wonderful but this morning was the ultimate penance i literally i i could not get my body out of bed in about two minutes two minutes to six i was just like ah! just ran upstairs and went to the chapel and so that must be a thing is that same thing happened in our house oh we we're missing like three guys and i i was telling my brother-in-law on the phone on the way over here i uh i was like for some reason this morning in holy hour i was just so annoyed at like everybody every like every sniffle and like I was like, well, I must just be super tired. I think everyone's exhausted. The uh, I don't know why, though. For those who are listening, if you don't know what a holy hour is, it's a uh, term that was kind of coined by Fulton Sheen, who yeah, was a I bishop. Think so. I think that was kind of his shtick. Um, but essentially, it's just an hour in uh, in front of the adora- in adoration, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And it's a nice little phrase because it gives you a sense of, like, this is where I pray for an hour. And we pray morning prayer as a community, and we do different things. But, uh, oh, man, we have it every morning at 6 a.m., and I have since I was 18 and... I'm ready to pray at like 6:30 or 6:45. Like that's way more manageable than uh, than 6 a.m. every morning. So, well, wait till you're a priest and you're trying to fit it in. I imagine like what doesn't Monsignor Leone do like a 4 a.m. No, holy hour? So no, I, can... I don't want to hear that. I don't hear that. Yeah, I will be a priest in two weeks, and uh, man, that is a crazy feeling. Even though I don't feel very priestly right now, because I'm looking at you and you got a suit coat on and your clerics, I know, and I'm wearing sweatpants and a, uh, a hoodie. Uh, so I guess that says a little bit about how we started off the day. With go. that in mind, let's go back to 1952. Ooh. 1952 was the year that a guy got the nickname Vujach. 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 <laughs> the, uh, um, the title of this podcast is To Trick You. Uh, it's actually on John Paul II, uh, a.k.a. Karl Wojtyla. Um, who in the 50s was given the nickname <laughs> We don't know how to actually pronounce it, so we're just trying to be ridiculous. The uh, the Polish word, uh, is it Wujak? I think it's Wujak. Wujak. I remember when I was or reading, when I was reading the biography, I, he has a little pronunciation thing in the beginning, and I've, I was just such a nerd about it, I would go back and like try to say all the Dude, That words. sounds like you. Yep. Wujak. So uh was a nickname. It means uncle in Polish. And uh, it was kind of his code name under the communist regime because he wasn't affi- he wasn't allowed to be affiliated with uh, young people. He wasn't be because they would have uh, you know accused him of propaganda and uh, arrested him or whatever. And um, so they would call him Uncle, and that was kind of his uh, his famous name, uh, Vujak. But what I want to talk about today is uh, the early life um, of Pope John Paul II. You know, we know a lot about him, and for those of us who grew up. Um, with him as Pope, he was the only Pope we knew until uh, until he died in, was it 2005? 2005, yeah. 2005, the, uh, but in 1978, he was or, or he was elected Pope at a very young age. I think he was in his, oh, geez, I should have researched it, late 60s. It sounds about right. And, uh, you know, he was made a bishop when he was 38. So this guy was like fast track, uh, rock star material from an early age. Uh, that's crazy. That's like... Nine years from now, if that happened to me, yeah, I, that's would, wild. I would have a heart attack. He was uh, actually in his late 50s. He was 58. 58, that's right. I was going to say that, and I was like, no, nah, that can't be right. Yeah, because I know bold. he was born in 1920, yeah. and he was elected in, what, 78, right? There you go. That a boy. 
It's good to have you here. I'm good at this morning. I can, I can count, John. That's why you have a suit coat on and I have sweatpants on. The uh, um, so he was uh, at 19 uh, at 38. He was a bishop, and then at 58, that's right, he was made pope, which is just insane to think about. Uh, and so we know him as Pope John Paul II, this kind of international figure. He was more seen, more visible than any other figure in the history of the world. His funeral was the largest in the history of the world, and most importantly, he met me. Most. In 2004. I'm going to tell you a quick story about my when I met John Paul II. Uh, sa- sadly, this is a very funny story. It's Haven't not you a- told this before? On the podcast? Yeah. Oh, all right. I mean, I have. I met him. I met him. He <laughs> Go said, ahead. He said Happy New Year to me. <laughs> it was horribly depressing. What What topic was that on? I don't remember. Oh, gosh. It all blurs together. Um I need another cup of coffee. Well, okay, there's my story. If you haven't heard it, I'm sorry, Joe just blew it for you. Well, go ahead and tell no, me. I, you know, I went and met him, and uh, he sorry. said Happy New Year. I, I think you're right. I do have memories of, of already telling this I'm story. I'm, I'm becoming an old man already where I'm telling the same stories over and over again. Um, so that, anyways, that happened, and um, that was the end of his life. But that's kind of how we remember him as kind of the old figure, Parkinson's in particular in the 90s. Um, we don't even remember him as this kind of young um, vibrant, sh- vibrant, strong man, strong man, strong presence. You know, he was an actor growing up, so he just had this like he could just take a crowd like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he really w- was one of the key figures in the downfall of communism, and he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. But with Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, whoever it was, they in the eighties, they really were the key players. And there's a documentary that Newt Gingrich and his wife just put out called Nine Days to Change the World, and it talks about. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Did you watch that last night? No, did you? Trotsky showed it. Yeah, it was showed at the seminary last night. I was just going to pretend like I knew what it was about, but I actually haven't seen it. But no, the guy said it was good. Um, <laughs> but it's about his 90 trip to Poland and, and how he, he ignited a revolution of conscience is what it's called. He stirred in them a desire for their freedom and for them to recover their, their kind of the sense that they are persons and that they have dignity and respect. And he did that. And so that's great. But that's not what we want to talk about today. We want to go back to the beginning of his life. So he was born in 1920. Um, in Varavice. Varavice. Now you know these things because you look up the pronunciation. <laughs> Varavice. I can't imagine looking up the pronunciation of every Polish word in an 850-page biography. Well, you get faster at it because, you know, it's just uh, like yeah, practice. Yeah, because you learn letters. Polish by the end of it. The uh, book we're referring to is Witness to Hope by uh, George Weigel. Oh, there Weigel, it is. right here. There great it one. It's a great one. It's a huge one. So if you if you not look, you know, if you don't have anything to read for the next five years, yeah, 975 pages. Yikes! But the uh, the first two hundred pages are all, all about his early life, um, and then about his early priesthood, and that's kind of what I want to focus on today. Um, he his early life, uh, his mother died when he was very very young, you know, two or three, and then his father raised him. He had an older brother, but his older brother died as well, and then his father died, and so by the time he was like twenty, he had no family whatsoever, and he was a seminarian for Krakow, and was that okay? pronunciation you're doing great Just okay great the uh and um and studied under the nazi persecution so at the time it was first the nazis and then the communists so um he it was an underground seminary it was illegal to be in seminary illegal to be a priest and um he had friends who were studying with him who were killed who were sent to concentration camps and so uh everything was underground his ordination was clandestine um and uh, it's just a, it's really interesting to reflect on what he went through through his ordination versus kind of what I'm going through right now. You know, like a, like just little things. Like Very I just different. got a proof of my holy card. You know, priests print off these holy cards and, and you send them out and that's a really big deal. But I remember thinking he didn't have those. Um, he just found some and he, he scribbled on the back, 
Quia fecit mihi magna, which is he, uh, he has done great things for me, which is Mary's words. He had a great devotion to Our Lady, and he would hand those out to people. Just just little things like that that you think like it was illegal to have a holy card because it was illegal to be a priest. It was wow. illegal to be ordained a priest. Uh, little things like that that I just I never thought about but take for granted now that I'm actually doing them. So he uh, uh, was ordained, did a quick stint out in the country for about eight months, and then um, was, like we said, was on a fast track. He got two doctorates as a priest in... Um, in Poland, so he was kind of going back and forth to study. His first one was in Rome, second one was in Lublin, which is a, a town in Poland. But he, uh, the main thing, the most exciting thing was, he was a college chaplain at a, a parish, college parish called Saint Florian's um, in Krakow. Really? Yeah, and this is where he started. Um, in many ways, he was doing young adult ministry. He was doing young couples ministry. He was doing marriage preparation in a way that nobody else was before. He started the first marriage prep program in the Diocese of Krakow. I mean, this is this stuff just didn't exist. But he was doing it not because, uh, oh, this is a really good idea. He was doing it because the communists were trying to destroy the family. So he was trying to build up the family. And what's interesting about this is that he was doing it through relationships and through friendship. I think a lot of time uh, priests, uh, and I know this is a temptation even just being a seminarian, it's kind of like you have your friends and then you do ministry all the time. And it, yeah. it's kind of like you either have to have one or the other. And I have, uh, I've had a great experience this year. I'm at Christ the King Parish in Denver, and I get this uh, crew of a couple young, a uh, few young couples. And they're great. They might be listening. They tell me they listen, but they probably actually don't. So we'll, th- we'll find <laughs> we'll out. We'll find the truth They'll tell out. me if they, if they heard this. But uh, it's great because it's, um, it's actually, we do a Bible study each week. We have dinner together. But uh, I'm like, this is the way it's meant to be trans. Uh, the, the faith is meant to be handed on through relationships, through friendships, through trust. I can talk about anything with them. And they know that I, mm-hmm. that I really like, enjoy them and I don't hate them. And I don't want to destroy their lives talking about contraception or about difficult things. Like, and that's what John Paul II, that was his approach. Right. And uh, it was so successful that um, he started something called the Shrovisko. <laughs> How's that? You look at me like, Shrovisko? Shrovisko. Do you know that word? Yeah, I know what it means. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to translate it. These Polish words, gosh, it's like it's like consonant, 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 vowel, and then 16 more consonants. But the Shorovisko was like this group of friends, big group. It was like 200 people yeah, uh, who kind of all uh, had this friendship with him. But he kind of founded this, this, this crew. It was and a community, really. It was a just... community. Now, Shorovisko means environment or milieu or something. It, it doesn't really translate. But in the 19, early 1950s, they kind of pulled this thing together. So he started in the late 40s. He started his chaplaincy at St. Florian's. And then by the early 1950s, they were just... Kind of like the friendship had grown into this this really beautiful community, and it was a way of families supporting each other um, through the difficult years of, of communist persecution that was trying to destroy marriage and the family. So it's a really beautiful thing. That's awesome. They were famous for this uh, camping and canoeing trip that That's they would right. take every kayaking. summer. Kayaking, kayaking, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is a close neighbor to ours as mountain climbers, but <laughs> that's okay. You know, we still we still respect that kayaking. Um, down in the Tatras Mountains, which are in the south of Poland. And um, for the next 30 years, let's see, 52 until literally 1978 was the last one, the summer before he was elected pope, uh, they would do these annual trips. So they'd go for a week or two um, down to the uh, Tatras Mountains, and they would camp, and they would be together. The interesting thing is that his theology um, and his philosophical writings come out of his pastoral experience. So oh, he, big time, yeah. He wrote a book called Love and Responsibility which was the prequel 
in many ways, philosophical prequel to the theology of the body, which is in some ways is his magnum opus as, as uh, Pope. Which, it's great work which, for uh, non-Latin scholars. Oh, thank you. Which uh, Weigel says is a theological time bomb set to go off sometime in the 21st century. Yeah, That's that a great line. line. Yeah. So that will go off the theology of the body, um, and it's going to be very exciting. It's going to revolutionize the world in many ways, what John Paul II has laid out, and he did that in the early 1980s. But it all began with him walking through life, spending hours, you know, whether they're kayaking or sitting around a campfire, talking about life, talking about the struggles of sexuality and the struggles of um, of just trying keeping, to live the faith, trying yeah. to live the faith in the vocation to marriage. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing for us to reflect on as guys who are going to be priests to say, how much better is that? How much richer is that? How much more profound is that when it comes out of people's experience? Like people who really are trying to live the faith. Um, and it's beautiful because he had such a, such an, a window into these people's lives as a priest. I mean, they all just kind of, he, he started working with them with them, I think, when they were teenagers. Yep. Uh, and in college students. And he stayed, he kept going on vacation with them all the way until the day he was elected Pope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even when he was a bishop, every, he would take a, two, a week or two off and go. And they were all married by then and had kids, and he was baptizing their kids and grandkids. And he was, was their friend, but he wasn't necessarily their equal. He was always a little, right. you know, different. He would always kind of sneak off and. And take time in yeah, prayer. Yeah, I think later in that book, one of the guys actually says he had the method of ministry that he would have. He called it the ministry of accompaniment. Yeah. He would just kind of walk with them, but he would always be one step above them. Like he would always kind of come down their level, but then kind of come up a little bit just exactly. to draw them draw, draw them, them on the way. Them. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, he really had it. And, you know, he's our he's our hero and he's our uh, um, he's our model. But in, in a very specific way, he's our model, I think, for pastoral ministry and pastoral life. And we have a little Chodovisco here in Denver, which is pretty exciting. We do. Where it's growing. We're going up to, uh, we, uh, this is the fourth year now where we uh, go to the mountains. Does Maria listen to this podcast? Probably It not. all started She always says, like, oh, says I'm like, I'm does. so behind. Yeah. Joe's sister came out four years ago, and it, it was an excuse for us to all pull, pull our friends all together and go up to the mountains for a week and climb 14ers and... Uh, it's becoming that. This is the fourth year we've done it, and it's kind of like a little... The Maria Dome in 14 years. Although we might, we might change it to the Anadome in 14 years. That's trips. right, because his younger sister is the one who now comes. Maria is like doing other things, like getting married and having babies and, you know, whatever, instead of hiking with us. So the... Uh, so it's a beautiful thing and, uh, and and an exciting thing for us to kind of enter into life with that. The, through friendship would come our theological reflection. Through the pastoral experience would come uh, our teaching. It's a very different approach uh, than many guys take. But I think John Paul II was, um, was radically, um, he was creatively retrieving the way that Christ laid this all out. And yeah. he was bringing it back into the church in a fresh way. And uh, we love that. We were excited I, about that. I, when I read this chapter on his priesthood, the Vuyuk chapter, I just that that was one of the biggest inspirations for me. Yeah. Just to start thinking about the, the priesthood in a different way, and uh, I just loved it. Yeah. He was only a priest, what for? And before he was a bishop for not very long. No, it wasn't like that ten long. years or ten so. years, I think, because his thirty-eight when he was thirty-eight, he was a bishop. So the uh, so, anyways, that's kind of a, a quick glimpse into the John Paul II's life in the early nineteen fifties. Vuyuk with his Sholavisko. And, uh, you know, we're happy because he's uh, blessed. Yeah. He huge. is a now blessed John John Paul II uh, as of Sunday when the Holy Father made him uh, beatified. And uh, we need to do a podcast on that, the whole beatification canon. Yeah, I've process. actually got a few. Somebody sent me an email just like yesterday about that. Like, have you ever heard of the Devil's Advocate? Yes. 
Yeah, I didn't. He asked me. He was like, "You guys should do it on the Devil's Advocate." And I was like, "Uh, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, that's a real thing. (laughs) And he had to correct me. I was great. Um, But yeah, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting subject. And he said, "You know, with the whole beatification, that might be a cool thing to do." We should totally do that next time. Next time, John's going to do a podcast uh, next week in a couple weeks. I will do it on that. Um, Yeah. So that's that. Keep me in your prayers. Twenty days from uh, being a priest. Nineteen days, and. you know, we're looking at some great new gear here. I'm oh, just yeah, filled with gratitude because I got this awesome mic. I actually feel legit for the first time in a year and a half yeah, recording. We've we've, uh, we've gotten a few donations from some super generous people. And uh, just a quick thank you uh, to the ones who have donated. Uh, only about like, what, like maybe eight or ten people, but they've they've really helped us out. And uh, so we have most of our own stuff now, which is great. Um, we need a few more things, so if you... Still feel moved to uh, to donate. We have a thing on the website, uh, CatholicStuffPodcast.com, I think. We're getting real close. We're getting uh, very close, And then yeah. we're done. Then we, don't, we won't ask yeah, then, And then more. we'll say, stop giving us money <laughs> because we'll have money. enough. But we got, um, you know, we got some real exciting uh, ideas and projects. Joe and uh, my brother and I were up in the mountains last week and uh, just spinning ideas and dreaming about um, kind of what uh, what this will become. And uh, we got some great, great things coming down the pipe. So yeah, we're excited exciting. to share that with you and, uh, and to bounce these ideas off you. But uh, we're just grateful you listen at the end of every week, and it's great getting emails. And I think he's got uh, Joe's got one here for us. Yeah, this uh, this is one I got from Rebecca. This I just love, stuff like this just rocks my world. I love it. Um, so Rebecca, she's from Seguin, Texas. I think it's outside San Antonio. Uh, and she says, "Hey guys, thank you so much for your hard work and dedication to this podcast. I hate having to wait a whole week for the next episode. Anyway, I am interested in converting to Catholicism." But I have no idea where to start, she says. I was raised in a Baptist church, so I was taught that Catholicism was wrong and to stay away from it. However, now that I am older, I feel something's missing. And after praying a lot, I feel Catholicism is right. Um, and she says, and I thought this was funny. She, I, funny because it's, I just laugh at ourselves. Uh, she says, while the podcasts are very interesting and enjoyable, sometimes I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, That's well, a good point. I, that is yeah. a very good point. She says, I have started researching the Catholic faith and read the catechism, but it doesn't make much sense to me. I know what Catholics believe, but I need to know what and how it works. So it's just funny how much oh, we probably... Of, there's a lot of lingo uh, that gets tossed around that we don't even probably think true. about. And uh, Rebecca, thanks for that email. That's great. Though. Yeah, we've been emailing... Rebecca and I emailed back back and forth a few times and just sort of asked, she's, you know, where do I start? I want right. to become Catholic. Um, and so, you know, the obvious thing is just, I just suggested going to a Catholic church. But I also don't know the Seguin, Texas area. Um, and, you know, it's sad to say, but not all parishes are... Uh, or, you know, some parishes are better than others. I want to right. kind of hook her up with a good community, a good short of visco of some uh, sort. Yeah. Um, so I, I told her I would do this if she wanted to, and she said that would be great. But she said, uh, um, I told her I would uh, just say on the podcast, if we have any listeners who are familiar with that area, know of a good parish, a good community down there, uh, who could let us know so we could hook her up uh, with some good Catholics to welcome her into the faith. That'd be great. Nice touch. That'd be awesome. Nice little, so, nice little Rebecca from Segway. touch. Rebecca, thanks for the email. The uh, One last thing, I got an email from Tim... Taylor. The only reason I remember his name is because Tool Man. Tool Man Taylor, and I'm sure he's like great. Another, you're the thousandth person to say that. Thank you. But Tim asked about the, the mass parts, the parts of the mass. Maybe that was Doctor J. I forget. I got emails, and I just want to say they're coming. We're going to deal with these uh, systematically. The finals are almost over, and uh, the ones that require more research, which we're always like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that one next month. We're actually going to do a good amount of them. So they're coming. They're coming, guys. Right. Just hang in there. You too, Dr. J. Hang in there. Listen to the, Keep listening. So, yeah, don't, don't abandon us. Don't abandon us. A lot us. of people like the music, just so you know. That's so. right. That's right. I get it all the time. We always stand by the music. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I think that's it, though, for today. So uh, Catholic stuff you should know. 
uh, our Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for listening.